row of turning. God is the ultimate giver of good gifts. And certainly the greatest gift of all is the free gift of eternal life, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. All you have to do to get that gift is receive it. That's all you have to do. It's all been paid for. So true biblical salvation, and most of you are already aware of this, I'm sure, is full surrender to Jesus Christ, asking Him for forgiveness, and asking Him for that free gift of eternal life. And, together with that, committing to serve Him all the days of your life. Now, that last part is the part that maybe everybody doesn't quite get. The idea is it's not that you have to do anything to earn salvation. Of course not. The idea is that full surrender to the Lord to ask Him to forgive you is all part and parcel with not just getting your get-out-of-hell-free card. It's your full surrender of your remaining life to continue to walk in His ways and serve Him. And if you find yourself having said, I prayed that sinner's prayer, but you really never find any interest or motivation in you to serve Him, well, you know, I mean, it's suspect. It's suspect. So the idea is is that the Lord offers us this free gift, the greatest gift of all, eternal life in Jesus Christ. All you have to do is humbly surrender everything and receive it for yourself, which also includes then the commitment going forward that I'm continued to be surrendered to you so that I can serve you. But the real question then comes in, how exactly? Because the truth is, when a person newly receives the Lord as their Savior, well, they don't really know how, necessarily. There's a lot we don't know at the very beginning. I know when I first received the Lord, I hadn't grown up in church. I literally had no clue what it all meant. All I knew is that I was all in, whatever it meant. So, our God is so good. He not only offers that greatest gift of all, He continues to give more gifts. And that's what we're talking about in chapter number 12, spiritual gifts. He piles on these other gifts on top of the gift of salvation, which are given to us so that we can be equipped to serve Him for the duration of our lives. Now, the only way that you're going to understand that, the only way you're really going to get your mind around that is that Well, these things need to be what the Bible calls spiritually discerned or spiritually understood. And that would come only by the revelation of the Word of God. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you keep your finger there in chapter 12 where we're at. But back in chapter number 2, starting in verse 11, it says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And there's a lot of things that are given to us of God, including spiritual gifts. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned or understood. These are spiritual gifts that are given to you at your spiritual birth. And they are not to be confused with natural gifts, which are developed in your natural life. 
Like it says in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 2.11, What man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? You have things of your natural life that your natural human spirit can comprehend. But the things of the Lord, well, the Spirit of God has to help you comprehend. So today we're going to be wrapping up chapter 12. We're going to be in the last several verses of chapter 12. And the title I've given is The Importance of Spiritual Gifts, as you've seen. And so what we're going to do is finish chapter 12. But we're not going to finish the subject of spiritual gifts. Because the subject of spiritual gifts is going to continue into chapters 13 and 14. But if you'll follow along, we left off last week at verse 27. So we're going to pick it up at verse 28, and we'll go to the end of the chapter. Follow along as I read. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Let's just take a second and ask the Lord to bless our study, and we'll get into our outline. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you. We are certainly humbled and thankful that you have so graciously given and offered to us gifts on top of gifts on top of gifts. And Lord, we are so humbled and grateful. We know that every good and every perfect gift comes from you, and the most perfect gift is that gift of salvation and so many more gifts like these gifts of the spirit that are given to us i pray lord jesus that you will open our minds to understand your revelation about this issue of spiritual gifts as we continue to study today that we understand their importance and we understand how we can put them into action for your glory to serve others in your name and it's in your holy name we pray amen well, first of all, I want us to look at what I'm calling the availability of the gifts. The availability of the gifts. And this is going to start in verse 28 where we began. God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now, if you've been with us in this study, and the last time that I spoke to you, it was actually several weeks ago, and we began chapter number 12 in verses 8 through 10. There was a fa fairly lengthy list of spiritual gifts that were given. And some of those are repeated in this list, but many of the ones in this list are actually new from the other list. So just in a quick review, let me go over all of the spiritual gifts that were listed in verses 8 through 10. And in your study sheet, if you're looking at it, you come here regularly, you'll notice that it seems rather busy, does it not? I mean, there's a lot of, we, we, we decided to use a smaller font to get it all in on the sheet today. But I didn't give you a lot of blanks because what we're going to be going over, I just want you to have in reference. I don't want you to be bogged down writing things down. I want you to be able to just have it in front of you. But we're going to go through this list. Again, these first, uh, in this first group are just a review of what we covered some weeks ago. You can go back and listen to that sermon if you want to off of our website. Uh, the first two are the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. And we saw back then that those are rather difficult to define sometimes because the Bible gives us no other biblical cross-reference to be able to compare Scripture with Scripture and define exactly what it means. But comparing the principles of Scripture, we came to the conclusion that those are different aspects of what would be considered a spoken word of new revelation. As God was forming 
his church and he was putting out the new revelation of the New Testament. People were given new revelation to speak out and that would be a word of new knowledge and wisdom would be the application of that knowledge. So those would be those gifts. Number three, faith would be a supernatural ability to trust God when others seemingly can't. Again, this is review, but let me just say that we all know that there just are people who seem to be able to muster up more faith and trust the Lord in times when many of us really struggle to trust the Lord. That's actually listed as a spiritual gift. Healing is listed, a supernatural ability to heal anyone, anytime, with 100% success. You say, do you believe in healing? Of course I believe in healing. Do you believe the gift of supernatural healing that an individual can be a healer is still in effect? Actually, no, I don't believe that, and we'll get to that before today's done. But the supernatural gift of healing was given to the apostles that whomever they chose, whomever they touched, that person would be healed with no failure rate, zero. That was the gift of healing. The gift of miracles, the ability to do supernatural acts and wonders. Consider, for example, Moses, who did supernatural acts and wonders. Well, God did those things through Moses, but the idea is these are not natural acts. These are supernatural acts. These are miracles. These are wonders. Prophecy was defined at that time as hearing God's word audibly and then giving it to man. Because in the first century, as the word was going out, God was speaking audibly to his prophets. The prophets would then declare it to man. So again, this is an issue of new revelation. Number seven, discerning of spirits. The ability to evaluate a situation spiritually and discern what kind of spirit is behind it. Uh, the Bible talks about, as we'll see before today's over, actually that there are false prophets and false teachers, and a lot of people stand up and they wear a nice little jacket and they carry a Bible and they talk about Jesus. And man, how do you really know whether it's right or not? Well, we have a Bible, but some people have a supernatural ability to just peek behind the curtain and discern the spirit of what's going on in the world. And that's a spiritual gift. Tongues would be the supernatural ability to speak in a keyword known language that you have never studied. Uh, I wish that continued today. It would make foreign missionary work far easier. The supernatural ability, see for example Acts chapter 2, to speak and people understand it in foreign languages that you've never studied. And then the interpretation of the tongues obviously is the flip side of that coin, the ability to interpret a language that you've never studied. So those were the things that we saw last time. So now we're going to continue with a new list starting in verse 28, and it begins with apostle. And so we have the apostle as a gift, and an apostle is an official position of leadership which is accompanied by miraculous signs. Now, we're not going to take the time to do this study, but if you're interested, just jot down there next to apostle, Hebrews 2, verses 3 and 4, where it is clear that the God gives the signs of an apostle with healings and wonders and miracles, and all of these miraculous dealings were special signs given to a special group of people for a special time in history. These were the apostles. You know who the apostles are? They were the original disciples. They became the apostles. Then we have the prophet, number 11, the official position of leadership. It's key that these are official positions. The official position of leadership and the establishment of the early church. These, this is a foundational 
gift and a position which we will refer to again a little bit later in our conversation. Well, everything's coming later. Well, hang on. Hang on. The next, teacher or teaching, if you like, because it shows up as teaching in another passage of Scripture. The supernatural ability to comprehend, order, and present biblical truth for sound doctrine. Doctrine literally is a word that just means teaching. And so some people are supernaturally gifted to be able to comprehend the Scriptures, order them together, and present them in such a way that they lay out solid biblical doctrine and that the overwhelming majority of hearers can then comprehend and understand at a deeper level. That is a spiritual gift. Helps, 13, the supernatural ability to support and help others in the work of God. And who is not thankful for others who have the gifts of helps? Uh, I mean, these are the people who will come alongside and make sure that everything gets done that needs to get done so that we as a body, the theme, right, can function the way that we need to function. And then lastly in this list is governments. As, as far as the things that are newly presented in this list, there were miracles, healings, and tongues, but we covered those already. So governments, the supernatural ability to give order to chaos. In other words, sometimes this gift is referred to as administration. Uh, as we'll see in Romans when we get to that, it's also referred to as ruling. These are the same gifts. The idea is that somebody can be supernaturally gifted. Now, you may be an administrator in your work, and that does not necessarily mean that you have the God-given supernatural ability to administrate and organize and lead and govern, but God does have that as one of his gifts. So up to this point in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are 14 unique spiritual gifts that are listed. I know this is a little academic. Hang with me. Then we're going to start landing the plane, okay? But, so when we get to this point, I told you when I preached this previous message in January that we would cover the entire list because, well, we're only studying the book of 1 Corinthians, and this is a major player in the study of spiritual gifts. So I don't think that it would be fair for us to not take a minute of time and go to the two other locations, there's only two other locations, that give us lists of spiritual gifts and that you can add to this list the unique items that are not previously listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You with me? We're okay? So let's do that and look in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse number 4. Where it says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Refer to last week's message and the verses just prior to what we read today. The context of Romans 12 is the context of 1 Corinthians 12. Would you agree? So we are, would you agree? <laughs> I mean, somebody's got to agree. Okay, good. Somebody's agreeing. Verse 6, having then gifts, here's the context, see, gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So here in this list in Romans, we have seven more gifts that are listed, and we have four of them that are actually repeated, and three of them that are new. 
So just to be thorough, the gift of prophecy that's listed here in Romans, we've already covered. But I want to point out that since it's written by Paul to the church in Rome, that there is therefore then an application of prophecy that is not that of the miraculous audibly hearing the word of God and proclaiming it to man, but rather the application can be also or more generally stated as the supernatural ability to proclaim God's word authoritatively. It's just that the, the place from which we receive God's word is now written. It's not spoken audibly. You get that? So prophecy is one of them. Ministry is just another way of referring to the gift of helps. Uh, some people call it the gift of serving. That's what ministry means, service. And so the gift of ministry is literally the same as the, gifts of, the gift of helps. Teaching has already been covered. And ruling is another way of referring to governments or organization, administration, leadership. But the gifts that are newly presented in Romans that have not yet been presented, number 15, exhortation. Exhortation is the supernatural ability to encourage others to persevere. You really like having these people around when you're down. You really like having God sends these people to your side when you're frustrated, when you're thinking of hanging it up, when you need encouragement, when you just can't seem to muster up enough motivation to do what you know you need to do. God will send an exhorter. God will send an encourager. God will send somebody that will try and keep you moving down the path. That's part of the gift that God has given to the body of Christ so that we can all work together. 16, the gift of giving. It is actually a supernatural gift given to some. The supernatural ability to sacrifice, that's the key word, to supply others' needs. We probably should stop here for just a second and point out that any of these gifts, as they refer to some aspect of ministry, uh, you are not to exclusively function in your particular gift. God would certainly expect that we all demonstrate some level of acting in all of these areas. Would you not agree? But yet some are going to be supernaturally gifted to really excel in one or two areas. And some people, thank the Lord, are supernaturally gifted to excel in their ability to say no to themselves, quite frankly, and their selfish desires, and to give generously to others so that the work of God can go on. And then we have the gift of mercy. And not unlike the gift of helps, the gift of mercy is the supernatural ability to show compassion to those that are hurting. When the Bible says that we are to weep with those that weep, this is what we're talking about. We are talking about people who are just naturally given to care and compassion and comfort. And if we didn't have this aspect in the body of Christ, well, it just wouldn't be that pleasant of a place, would it? If we couldn't count on the family to rally around and love us and care for us and help us and to bear the load with us, well, this would just be another political party or social club or some sort of religious organization. No, this is a body. This is a living, breathing organism that God has put together to function in a certain way. Well, there's one more list, and that comes from Ephesians chapter 4, and 
I know the verses that are listed for you are 11 and 12, but we need to get a running start starting in verse number 7. So you might want to glance at the screen. In Ephesians 4, the context comes to us starting in verse 7, but it says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Are you catching the context? Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and what did he do? He gave gifts unto men. Now, if you happen to be looking in your Bible instead of on the screen, you would notice that this is verse 8. Verses 9 and 10 are in a parenthesis. And then it jumps to verse number 11. Verses 9 and 10, well, who is he that descended to the lower parts? He ascended also. He ascended on high into heaven. Okay, so it, it gives more of an explanation of who he is that ascended on high and led captivity captive, Jesus Christ, of course, and gave gifts unto men. But the narrative of Ephesians 4, you could read, leaving out verses 9 and 10 just for clarity, so that it would read like this, starting in verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So here we have four more. And these are gifted men that are given to the church body. Two of them are new. So we've seen apostles and prophets. Now we have evangelists or evangelism, if you prefer, which would be the supernatural ability to identify and pursue opportunities to preach the gospel to the lost. Some people are just supernaturally gifted to identify opportunities. They're just in daily, some of us have a hard time with it. Some of us have to work to do it. But some, some of you out there, it just comes so natural to you. You'll be talking to anybody, anywhere, about any subject. And I mean, you're a master at just flipping that conversation to the gospel and going for it. That's a gift. That's a gift that not everybody has. Paul told Timothy, who obviously didn't have the gift, oh, hey, Timothy, be sure you do the work of an evangelist. You still have to do it. He obviously didn't have the gift, or he wouldn't have had to tell him that, right? I mean, we're all to do evangelism, but some people, man, they can identify the opportunities, and they can walk through that door when God opens it. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And then the last one is pastor-teacher, and I really believe that the Scriptures are clear when it puts those together. It's not pastor and then teacher repeated. It's a pastor should be a teacher, and a teacher should be a pastor. That's just the way that God put it together. And in this case, it's the supernatural ability to feed, protect, and nurture the flock of God. So the feeding is the portion of the teaching, certainly, right? But the protecting, that's a shepherd. That's what a pastor is, is a shepherd. You protect from the wolves, and you nurture and care for the flock. And so that's the list. That's your entire biblical list of all spiritual gifts given in the New Testament. There's 19 of them. What I want to do is help you to understand them, help you remember them more clearly. So again, I'm going to refer back to what I said in my previous message in the beginning of this chapter. If you weren't here, well, we're going to say it again, so you're good. We learned that all of the gifts that are given come in two categories, speaking and serving. We got that from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. And again, it is the right context. As you'll notice, as every man hath received the gift, 
Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There's your context. Everybody has received a gift. It's the gift of the grace of God given to us so that we might minister. It is spiritual gifts. Verse 11, if any man speak, one category, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, service, there's the other category, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so they come in two categories, speaking and serving. And then we also mentioned last time that, they, that some gifts are actually temporary. They were only active for a certain period of time. And some gifts are permanent. They continue to be in action, well, until the Lord calls us home. And so these are the gifts, these permanent gifts. Well, those are the ones that continue to build the body of Christ even today and tomorrow and the next day. But the temporary gifts, I want to help you to understand a little bit about before we get into that chart that I have in your notes for you. So the temporary gifts are temporary, certainly, clearly, because... There's no more need for them. In other words, there was a need for them. They served a certain purpose, and that purpose was fulfilled. Since they served a purpose and the purpose is fulfilled, well, there's no need for it to have to continue any further beyond the fulfillment of the purpose, right? That's pretty simple. In other words, certain gifts were necessary during the first century of the early formation of the church, and they're no longer needed. Therefore, they cease to exist. All of such gifts that are temporary are miraculous in nature. And they served the purpose of revealing God's word to man before there was a written, complete, authoritative standard, the Bible. Before the completion of the New Test Testament and the canonization of all the scriptures, well, there was new revelation coming regularly. And as that new revelation was coming forth, it was providing for us God's word, which ultimately then would be preserved forever for us that we have a copy of in our lap, thank the Lord. But now we have it written down. There's no more new revelation. In fact, at the end of the book of Revelation, if any man adds to the words of this book, well, I mean, you know, stinks to be you, <laughs> You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the guy standing up and saying, I have a new word of revelation, and boy, holy cow, that's not a good thing. And so the Lord warns us, I mean, it is done. So the way that you're really going to get your mind around all these things and the way that I feel would be the easiest way for you to understand and grasp how they fit together is by this chart that I put in your notes. And I want you to see the chart. So we're going to build this, these four squares, okay? And so we have the two categories of speaking and serving, and some of them are temporary and some of them are permanent. Now, in the upper left-hand corner, the temporary in speaking, we'll call that revelatory. We got revelatory, is that what's next? What do you guys got up there? Got it, revelatory, the first one on the left. And these would be the gifts that fall into the category, you can write those in on your own. These would be the gifts that fall into the category of temporary speaking gifts the gift of the apostle, and the gift of the prophet. We've described how these were offices given, that God spoke to these men audibly. They then spoke to the people. They used a word of wisdom. 
They were, used a word of knowledge, should have been in there, sorry. And they spoke with tongues to get the word like in Acts 2 to people who otherwise didn't have it. There was interpretation of tongues so they could get that. All of that was a matter of God revealing, hence revelatory. These are revelatory gifts. God is revealing new things. Why is it temporary? Well, he's done revealing new things. We've got it all recorded. We've got it all written. It's all done. So these are the gifts that serve that purpose. Well, if we go to the next box, the next box is, we'll call it confirming. So that's on the right-hand side. Can we get the list of the gifts that are in the temporary yet serving gifts? These still are temporary, but they're serving, not speaking. And that would be the gift of, gifts of healing and miracles. And you say, well, what's that all about? Well, that's why I gave it the title confirming. And the idea of them being confirming is, if you recall back to Mark chapter 16, for example, it said, and these signs shall follow them that shall believe. And they'll do all these things, and they'll speak with new tongues, and if they you know, pick up a snake, they, you know, they won't die. If they drink a deadly poison, they won't die. And all this stuff will happen to them. They'll do miracles and they'll do all these things. And they did all of these things. These signs were given to the apostles. Why? Confirming the word that was spoken. Because even in the first century, there was all kind of guys going out running around saying, Thus saith the Lord. But the Lord wasn't speaking through all of them. And how would the audience know if it's just a spoken word? If your access to God's word was just me standing up on a Sunday and saying something, and then somebody else standing up on Monday and saying something entirely different, and somebody else standing up on Tuesday and saying something entirely different from the first two, you as a sincere follower and interested party, how can you know in the first century who's telling the truth who's lying can you imagine how hard that would be god said i gotcha i gotcha i'm going to give supernatural miracles to those that i'm speaking through so that when you're looking at the three guys and you're like oh yeah well this guy's got god stuff going on i'm going to go with him <laughs> and that was necessary only in the first century because these confirm the word that is revealed and so you could know who it is. Again, we don't need to have confirming gifts because the confirmation is, uh, oh yeah, just read. Just read and study and understand. And you can confirm whether or not what I'm telling you today is right by studying the Bible. You don't need signs and miracles and wonders and miraculous healing. God can heal and God cannot heal, but we don't need the gift of it anymore to confirm that his word is right. You know it's right because he wrote it down. And that's the most important thing. That's what you need to understand. So we can go to the next quadrant then, and we're going to drop down to the bottom part, which is the permanent gifts. And in the permanent gifts, now these are the ones you're more interested in because these are the ones that will be given out to you today, right? Well, actually, you've already received them probably, but for us today, these are available to us today. Okay, so in the permanent category, if it's a permanent speaking gift, it's no longer revelatory. God is not giving new revelation. What is God doing? He's taking gifts of speaking to instruct us. So these gifts are instructional. Can you see the difference? So when we look at this and we use the application of prophecy, as long as we're getting the word from the written word, not some audible version, right, then we get the word from the written word and just declare it to you. We're instructing you 
according to God's word. A teacher teaches you according to God's word. An evangelist instructs a lost person according to God's word how they can know that they can be saved. A pastor teacher, again, similarly, and the guy who exhorts is going to exhort you. He's going to speak and instruct you to motivate you to keep going on, man. Keep going on. These are gifts that involve you speaking to someone. And some people are gifted to be able to speak and encourage and motivate the body by speaking. And those people need to have a platform through which they can do that. It doesn't have to be on the stage of a church. It can be uh, on a bus. It can be in your cubicle at work. It can be anywhere. But you use your speaking gift as God leads you to use your speaking gift. Now, the last category would be the serving gifts, which are also permanent. And we'll just call these edifying Okay, and there you have the list. And all of these things that we've covered, all of these gifts serve to edify and to build up the body in a manner which we might refer to as behind the scenes. In other words, they're not necessarily the guy on a platform with a microphone. They're not the guys who are talking. They're, They're those of you who are getting it all done. You're getting all the work done. And so some people just have the supernatural ability to trust God more and encourage others by the fact that they trust God more. Discerning what's going on does not necessarily mean they're talking about it, right? They're just discerning and understanding what's going on. Ruling in governments and organization and helping things be in their proper places and function together. We are a corporate body. There's a lot of moving parts here. We need some people who are gifted to help organize and put things in order helps, ministry, service, all the facility that needs to be helped and provided and set and covered and all of those kinds of things, the mercy and the giving, these are all things that are done to edify and to build the body of Christ. And so you can look at these categories and you can look at these lists and you can put them in this organization so that you can see, so that you can better understand where they fit how they functioned, and why. Those categories of those boxes will make it clear to you, I hope, why the temporary are temporary and why the permanent don't need to be temporary because there's always a need for those, right? So while you're looking for what you have received from the Lord, possibly, you are going to be looking across that bottom tier of the permanent gifts, most certainly. Those are the ones that would be available for us today. Now you say, well, you know, okay, man, that's, whew, wow. Everybody take a, take a breath. I'm tired. Um, okay, that was a lot of stuff that we covered. And you say, man, I, I really, that was, that's way too fast. Like, are you going to be done with this and we're done? Well, let me, well, the answer is yes, shortly. Um, however, can, can I just tell you that this is a, critically important topic and, and, and this deserves more of your time and attention to study and, and we haven't just we don't intend to just throw you out there with a list and a, and a box and say good luck <laughs> but we actually in our process of discipleship offer a full length 12 week long class just on this subject in our ministry tools and training classes which are the next tier beyond personal discipleship that Matt was talking about in the announcements today. So if you get involved in the ministry tools and training classes, there's a class actually coming up in a few weeks 
that I'm going to be teaching on the issue of spiritual gifts. So those of you that are actually going to be in that class, well, you know, a little double duty here to be good. Repetition is the key to learning, right? So we get into much detail, and we spend like 10 full weeks just analyzing and breaking all these things down. You really should be involved in our discipleship program. And hopefully this chart will just kind of just bracket everything for you so you kind of know where to go. In fact, one of the reasons why I wrote your notes in the manner that I did was so that if you like, you can either just keep that in your Bible cover or keep it in your Bible like a bookmark or take the list or take the chart or whatever you feel you need to do and copy it maybe into the blank pages at the end of your Bible so you always have it there for you so you're not confused later when other people ask you about that sort of thing. I just wanted to provide for you a lot of overview information to be able to help you in your walk with the Lord. So that's the availability of the gifts, and as we talked about which ones we can actually get for ourselves or not, it transitions into our second point of study, and we'll call that the accessibility of the gifts. The accessibility of the gifts. And this is verses 29 and 30, where it says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? Just a bunch of rhetorical questions. God doesn't actually answer the questions, but I'll bet you all know what the answer is. The answer to those questions is all the same, and it is no. No, of course not. That's why he did it that way. Are all apostles? No, of course not. Are all prophets? Of course not. Are all teachers? No. Are all work? No. These are rhetorical questions. They don't need an answer. The answer is obvious. All of us, are not any one thing, right? We are a body. Probably sick of hearing that. It's true. That is the point. We are a body. Everybody's different. We need all the gifts functioning. I want you to remember, just flip the page back to verse 14. We're a body when we're together. It says in verse 14, for the body is not one member but many everybody can't be an apostle everybody can't be a teacher everybody can't be you know speaking in tongues everybody can't have one thing in fact God prohibits it he won't allow it verse 18 but now hath God set the members everyone in the body every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him God chose to give the gift. And if we're a gracious receiver, we just say, thank you, thank you. And gifts, most certainly, well, they're not for us. My gift is not for me. Your gift is for me, and my gift is for you. Because gifts are for others, and we saw that back in verse number 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all cumulatively together right very simple lesson comes to us in verses 29 and 30 and that lesson is this you need to be in church you need to be in church i mean that's what god's emphasizing here a christian disconnected from a church i'm sorry is a miserable sickly christian that can't survive anymore then your spleen could survive if it was detached from the rest of your body and laying on a table somewhere. 
A Christian by himself can't do that. And God fixed the system. You have to be connected to the body. That's why this book was written. It's about the power of a community. That's why we together is more important, is greater than just me by myself. And the sooner you learn that, the better it is for you. That's how it works. Now you know what that means then, don't you? That means that any teaching that's out there that promotes that one particular gift is something that everyone can get. Tongues, miracles, healing, just have enough faith. Well, that must be false teaching then, amen? I mean, did we just not read? Do all speak with tongues? Do all, are all workers of miracles? Do all have healing? No, of course not. Those are rhetorical questions with the obvious answer, no. If somebody comes along and tries to tell you that you too should be doing this, just trust God enough for it, well, you know who they are now. I mean, they might be nice people and they may be well-intending and they may just be deceived, but they are at that moment anyway, they are false teachers. So Jesus warns us in Matthew 7 and verse 15 to beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. And Peter reiterates this in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 1, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So different people might want to lump together some of the gifts differently, and maybe they'll come up with a different list, but the list that I've decided to give to you has 19 total gifts available, and 11 of them then fall into the portion that are permanent, that are actually accessible for you. You only have access actually to the particular gift or gifts that God has chosen to gift to you according to his good pleasure. So if you wish you had some gift that you don't have, if you're an ear and you wish you were a hand, well, yeah, tell it to the hand. I mean, what am I supposed to say? I don't know what to tell you. I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what it says. I just made that up. I didn't, it's not even, okay, so... 1 Corinthians 12, listen, it's all about spiritual gifts. And, and I think you understand that all the gifts are critically important. But some are going to be more important for certain functions. And so that's the last thing I want us to look at. And point number three is, I'm calling it the arrangement of the gifts. The arrangement of the gifts. So in verse 31 it says, but covet earnestly the best gifts and yet I show unto you a more excellent way so by virtue of the fact that God said best gifts that certainly implies that some are better than others doesn't it at least for the building up of the body I mean all are necessary and certainly none of them are wasted we saw that last week but some gifts bear the load and carry more weight than other gifts do. 
Back in verse number 28, notice. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. So some of these gifts are what we would refer to as foundational, and others build upon the foundation. So first, apostles. Well, the apostles are the foundation of the New Testament church. These were the original disciples of Jesus Christ when he walked on this earth. And they were the first group of people that Jesus Christ literally called out their names and they came out from the life they used to have to assemble together with one another and with Jesus Christ. They are the literal seedbed of what would become the New Testament church at that moment when Jesus called them out. That's what the word church means. It's a called out assembly. The apostles are first. Nothing happened before the apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Well, prophets are also foundational to the entire New Testament church, and that's what we see in Ephesians 2, 19-22. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And he's going to use this picture now of a household. And are built upon the foundation, here it is, of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So all of us, regardless of what role we play, are builded together. We're fitly framed and we're fitly joined together and built upon the foundation. Now the foundation are the apostles and the prophets. You see that? And Jesus Christ, of course, is the chief cornerstone. No question about it. But I think that comparing Scripture with Scripture and looking at verse 31, that some gifts are better than others in this function, it shows that, well, the foundation, it's more important than other bricks in the building because the foundation carries more weight. The foundation holds everything else up, right? So then it says, thirdly, thirdly, teachers. Well, teachers is an ongoing role, and it encompasses this office of a pastor-teacher. I want you to notice, now, you know, I know, I, I know, I get a, I get a rap for this. It's sometimes bad, occasionally good, mostly bad. I, you know, my wife has turned me into a grammar Nazi. I, I can't help but lead you towards analyzing words and structures and sentences because God chose to use words to communicate to us and we need to understand how they're put together right in syntax so that we can rightly understand what he's trying to say to us so you know apologies for the brief English lesson we're about to enter into but the words first secondarily and thirdly are from the part of speech called an adverb okay who wants, to, who wants to tell us what an adverb does? 
An adverb modifies or gives more information to another part of speech, which kind of has the same word in it, called a verb. So an adverb modifies or gives more information about a verb. Look at the sentence. God hath set some in the body, in the church. How did the hath set, that's the verb, God is acting. What is he doing? He's setting these gifts into the body. And how is he setting them? Well, he's setting them in order. First, apostles. Secondarily, we know the adverbs because generally, not always, generally they end in L-Y, right? Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. It doesn't say fourthly. It doesn't say fifthly. It doesn't say sixthly. It just says first, secondarily, thirdly, and then after that, everything else. That's what it says. Um, so what does that mean? Well, let's look at it. I think that there's an order of importance in the context of the body as a whole. And God hath set some in the church, in the body of the church as a whole. Some are going to carry more weight. Apostles, prophets, and now teachers. And now teachers. And he says that we are to covet these best gifts. We are to covet them. We are, we are to desire them. You say, well, you just said I can't desire. I mean, I get what I get. I can't desire something I can't get. I mean, how am I going to? I could desire it all I want. I mean, I'm a helps guy. I'm a giving guy. I'm a whatever guy. I'm not that guy. How am I supposed to covet something? No, that's not what he's trying to say. Obviously, you can't do that. You're not coveting it for yourself. You're coveting it for the church. God hath set in the church. So church, you need to covet to make sure that you have the most important gifts acting in the corporate body of your church. So you need to identify the right people who as individuals possess those gifts so they can exercise those gifts to the entire body. That's what he's trying to say. And since, oh, by the way, let me just throw this out to you because I think it's in your notes. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. There's only two places in all the New Testament that the word covet for you to, God tells you to covet something only twice. Here in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. And in 1 Corinthians 14, it's to prophesy. Now we'll get to 14 when we get to 14, but I just want to draw your attention to in 14, it's, it's set in opposition and contrast to the gift of speaking in tongues. We will deal with that at length when we get there. Okay? But notice, the idea is the prophecy is the clear manifestation the teaching and preaching and declaring of God's word in a way that the audience can understand it we speak the same language the tongues is we don't speak the same language and 1 Corinthians 14 is all about that we're not getting into that today okay however we covet the best gifts and since y'all ready this is going to be good the office of the apostle and the office of the prophet are both temporary. The one gift that's left that can qualify 
as best is teaching. That's what it is. So I put in your notes, the one spiritual gift that should be sought above all others in a church is teaching. The teaching of the now complete revelation of God, giving understanding of God's word, rightly divided. You can't compromise that if you're looking for a church. That must be the thing, if you are searching for a church, if your job moves you to a new place, you must search for a body that will fulfill this best gift. Don't let yourself fall for any other Madison Avenue marketing technique. Because this gift is feeding the flock. And if you don't eat, you don't have strength to do anything else. Before anything else can take place, Christian believers need to know first what God says and what He says in context. For example, you can't obey if you don't know what's required. You can't exhort if you don't know what is right. You can't evangelize if you don't know what the gospel truly is. You can't exercise faith because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You can't discern without a standard from which you discern. You can't rule or govern or administrate contrary to the requirements of God's Word. And you can't edify based on a false standard. You can't do them. Now, you may want to argue, as I was arguing with myself this week, maybe you can help serve others. But not unto edifying, you can't. Maybe you can give charitably, but not under the building up of the body you can't. And maybe you can show mercy and comfort, but, but not under the real edifying of the church you can't. So if you're looking for a church home, according to the Bible anyway, what is the one thing that you should look for above all else? Well, it's solid Bible teaching. Of course it's solid Bible teaching. That should set apart. You should quickly, have you ever looked for a house and you have a specific need for your house, and you begin to look at all the houses on Zillow, wherever you're going, and you start looking, you're like, oh, that, I, need a, I need a finished basement. Well, that doesn't happen. And you just check. You immediately eliminate a whole bunch of them that don't have that thing you have to have. Well, you know what? That makes searching easier, doesn't it? It makes it easier. I don't have to worry about 100 choices. I'm down to three. So we hear these stories over and over and over again of people who will leave a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. They get mad over some dumb decision, and they couldn't find another church like it. So eventually they join a church that has virtually no teaching at all, but say, for example, they really show a lot of love and prayer. So what do they do? They go and they try and justify for their own conscience sake how great that church is because of the love and the prayer, and those are good things for sure. And they'll say things like, well, I know God was in this move, but of course they're left empty because, well, there's no spiritual food being dished out for their soul. And of course, in a short amount of time, they'll, well, they'll leave that church for another and justify their move for a while until, well, they'll leave that church again for another. And instead of just 
going back and dealing with whatever it was that drove them away from a solid Bible-teaching church. Well, they're just going to carry their problems with them wherever they go. The only solution is good doctrine. It's the only possible solution. Why do we emphasize the Word of God so much and everything we do around here? Because God does. Because that's what He says we're supposed to do. Do not think that I am unaware (laughs) that this church has plenty of room to grow in a lot of areas. There's plenty of things we could do a lot better, and there's things that we pray about regularly and ask God to show us and help us. We can improve in a lot of areas, and I think we would improve in a lot of those areas if more and more of you would exercise your gifts together with us. But let me tell you what. The leadership of this church has dedicated our lives to making sure that we do the most important thing well. It pleased God to give you the gift that he has given to you. Why don't you please him by using it? Why don't you please him by using it? Receiving a gift from somebody who really loves you and never using it It's kind of insulting, isn't it? I mean, you don't really want to re-gift that one, do you? I mean, you don't really want to pass off because with the gift comes a responsibility. And yes, you can't hand off the gift in a re-gifting comparison, but you can hand off the responsibility by just not using your gift. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. So you may be asking, and we haven't really dealt with it in this exercise, but I want to give you an answer to the question, how can I know which gift God has given to me? Because all of you should be thinking that. Well, part of the answer might be sign up for the class that lasts 12 weeks, but in the meantime, let me just say, you find your gift by serving. That's how you find it. Uh, This is not an intellectual exercise. I'm not exactly sure. I think I see aspects of a lot of these in me. I'm sure you do. If you're a faithful Christian and you just try and jump in wherever, you probably see yourself in a lot of these areas. But how can you know which is the one that you genuinely, supernaturally excel at? Just keep serving. Just keep serving. Just keep serving. It will become evident. So then, while using your gift, you will experience the greatest joy and produce the greatest fruit. What is the thing that God seems to use you to do that seems to actually affect change, positive change, in the lives of other people? There's probably one or two things that stand out that God uses you for, and while you are doing them, you receive the greatest joy (laughs) because that's the way he made you. That's what he made you to do. So if you'll just get busy and you will exercise and you'll prayerfully seek what God has given to you, I think that most certainly you'll be able to nail it down soon enough. Please, can I just give you a word of advice? Don't get carried away with what you have or don't have or how important yours is as comparison to others. I mean, remember the totality of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Everybody needs everybody else. Amen? Even the most foundational gifts need all the others. Because even a good foundation without the bricks to make up the walls does not a home make. 
Everybody needs everybody. So let's just get busy doing what the Lord has given to us to do. What do you think he's given to you? What do you think it might be? If you just had to jot it down, do you know? Well, if you don't know, get involved and let's find out. But if you're here and you're not even sure that you've received the most important gift, eternal life in Jesus Christ, can I encourage you today, right now, to be willing to receive that where you're at? I want to pray for you, and so if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to quickly pray. If there's anybody here, and we're not going to bother you with it, I just want to know.